0: Um, We're pumped up for a new series. It's called Reasonable Doubt. And we'll get into that in just a second. I want to tell you about something that my son does. Uh, My oldest son, Isaac, he has this habit of giving everyone in his life nicknames. Everybody that he knows has a nickname. My daughter, Sophie, has the most. Uh, She goes, in our house, she answers to Mo. I don't know why, uh, Sora, Sue, Big Mo, even though she's like that tall. Uh, a lot of different nicknames. Uh, my wife is a preschool teacher and different kids in the preschool class. One he calls Goose. There's one who graduated. He called her David Bowie. She didn't look anything like the guy. I don't know why, where that one came from. He calls me Asak uh, because uh, apparently I remind him of a character from Breaking Bad named Hank Schrader. And uh, they call me, they call me Hay- Asax Schrader. That's what my sons call me. And uh, that's uh, thanks for laughing at me there, Kevin. I really appreciate that. So, <laughs> but that's the truth, is that I do sort of resemble the guy. So, um, he got this from his papa, which is my dad. My dad had a nickname for everyone he met And everyone he didn't meet, if he saw someone walking down the street, he'd be like, you know who that is? I'd be like, ooh, he's like, Shirty Joe, you know? And he just had names for everybody, and sometimes there are names that you didn't want, and sometimes they stuck, and there was a name that stuck with me, with my family for years, Uh, and it's not a good name. So let's travel back in time a little bit. Maybe eight years old, maybe nine, and we're on a family vacation in North Carolina, and um, I had a loose tooth. And, you know, when you have a loose tooth, you, like, mess with it because you wanted to pull it out. But it wasn't coming out for whatever reason. But I was picking at it all the time. So all vacation, I had my fingers in my mouth, picking at my tooth. Like, at dinner, I'm picking at my tooth. I'm picking, wow, that's loud. I'm picking at my tooth. And they're telling me not to, but I just kept doing it. And then we went swimming uh, in, I, guess, I think it was the ocean, I don't remember. But wherever we were swimming, a lake, a river, or the ocean, I cut up my feet on the rocks really bad and so it hurt. And so I started, like, walking on my tiptoes like this. But while I'm picking my tooth and so I remember we were walking to our car and I was way behind the family because I'm walking like this. And my dad turns around and goes, Hey Toothy Toe walker, let's go. And thirty years have passed, and to this day people in my family will be like, Hey Toothy, what's going on? I'm like, please stop. I've got all of my grown-up teeth now. And I don't walk on my tiptoes anymore. Like, legitimately, I texted my mom. I was like, Mom, will we be home? I wanted to call her and put her on speakerphone so I could prove to you guys that I'm telling the truth. be like, Mom, who's Toothy? And she'd be like, You are. And then she'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And I'd have to hang up on her mid-call because my mom does not wrap up phone conversations easily. You know, but um, I was thinking about that because some of us have nicknames that we don't want. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of Toothy Toe Walker, and I know that some of you will find it hilarious to call me Toothy for the duration of my student ministry days here at Miles City. And that's okay. I can live with that, you know. Um, but some of us have nicknames we don't want, you know. And uh, sometimes they're earned. I was a Toothy Toe Walker, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, they embarrass us. Sometimes they take us to a time in our life that we weren't that thrilled with. And why am I telling you this? Because as we start this series called Reasonable Doubt, we're coming right out of Easter, and one of the most famous stories after Easter, Jesus has risen again, and he's appearing to the disciples. And one of his disciples, a guy named Thomas, was like, "Nah." uh Jesus appears to the disciples, and the disciples tell the others, they're like, Jesus is alive. And Thomas, if you don't know the story, we're not going to put it on the screen or anything, Thomas says, I don't believe it. In fact, I won't believe it until I can put my fingers in the holes in his hands. And ever since then, for 2,000 years, people who know the Bible stories call him "Doubting Thomas." For 2,000 years, this dude has been saddled with a nickname about the one time that he doubted and not, not the one time, but one time that we can read about, where he doubted the validity of Jesus. And sure enough, Jesus does appear to him, and Jesus does show him his hand and say, "All right, Thomas, here you go." And Thomas puts his finger I don't know if he, like, I don't know what he does. But he says, my Lord and my God. And Thomas is convinced. But that's not enough for people to stop not calling him. Doubting Thomas still to this day, if I were to say to you, who is doubting Thomas, you might be like, oh, the guy from the Bible who said he needed to put his fingers in the holes in Jesus' hands. And so we're actually going to talk about that topic, doubt, for the next few weeks. And it's something I'm actually really, really excited about because this is a topic that I don't think gets talked about in church very often. And in some churches, it's talked about in the wrong way. Uh, But we all have doubts, you guys. We all doubt different things in life. Some of you are carrying doubts in here with you tonight. We doubt ourselves. We think that we can't do something. We think that we're not good enough at something. I doubted myself greatly as I was laying on the grass out there. I said, if I got to get up and run, I'm not catching anybody. I did not believe in myself at all. And I was mostly right. We doubt the people around us. Sometimes we doubt that our friends really like us or really care about us. And we think, oh, you know, they don't really like me. We doubt stuff that we used to believe i mentioned my, my daughter just uh, about a week ago going up go figure i'm talking about toothy toe walker she learned the truth about the tooth fairy about you know a week or two ago and uh, it's caused her to ask questions about all kinds of things about the easter bunny and santa claus and she said dad and she asked me those questions and like any good dad i said ask your mom you know and uh, <laughs> you know dusty will lay it out for her dusty will tell her the truth some of us doubt Stuff that other people want us to believe. It was right here at Drive. Actually, I think it was over at Lion Drive. Some of our students told me that Oreo cookies and hummus taste good together. I'm skeptical, I don't think I believe that. I have heavy doubts that Oreo cookies and hummus are a good combination. Maybe we have bigger doubts though and if we can really shift into a serious topic, some of us doubt the validity of God. Some of us doubt all the stuff we talk about here on Wednesday nights. We've got doubts, we're not so sure what we believe. We doubt that God's even real. We doubt that Jesus is God. We doubt that the Bible is true. We doubt all kinds of things. You know, I'm sure you've, you've doubted something in your life. You might be doubting something tonight. Maybe you've doubted something about God. Maybe you've s- doubted something about your faith before. You've wondered if what you read in the Bible, what you learn as a little kid or you learn as a teenager or you learn on Sundays, you, you, you wonder how much of it is actually true. And I want you guys to know that doubting God, sometimes it feels a little scary, Sometimes it feels like wrong to to question, you know, is this true or anything like that? But over the next couple weeks, we're going to work through the idea that doubt can actually be a pretty reasonable thing to do. And I'll explain, I don't think we should doubt everything always, but I think doubt on its own is something that can be reasonably helpful in our life. And believe it or not, doubt can help us grow closer to God. And I'll explain what I mean as we go on a little bit tonight. You know, even though doubt is something that virtually all of us have about all different kinds of things, it's often treated as bad. It's often bad to doubt. We say, who are you to doubt? You know, you shouldn't doubt. You know, the church that I grew up in um, really treated doubt like almost like a sin. And I don't think it's a sin to have doubts and to have questions. But the church environment that I grew up in taught us that. They said that if, if we had doubts, if we had questions, you must not really love God. If you have doubts, if you have questions, well, you must not really be a real Christian. And let me tell you, that was not healthy for a lot of people. That doesn't make people stop having questions. It makes people afraid to ask them. And the unasked questions are the ones that do the most damage to our faith. The ones that we keep in here but we don't speak and we never seek the answers to, those are the ones that can really affect our walk with God. Those are the ones that can really affect what we believe. The questions that that are keeping you awake at night maybe the ones that you haven't asked your leader yet, the ones you haven't asked a pastor, for whatever reason, those are the ones that will do some damage because they remain unasked. Think about when you were a little kid. You know, go back to being little, like five, six, six years old. Little kids ask every question that pops into their brain. Everything. And they ask about everything. Again, I mentioned my wife is a preschool teacher. They will ask her why to everything. Miss Dusty, what are you doing? Making lunch. Why? so you can eat. Why? So you can grow. Why? So you don't stay too forever. Why? So you can stop wearing diapers. Why? Because it's gross. Why? Stop. They ask questions to everything. Little kids ask all the time. And sometimes little kids don't have filters. They're curious about everything and they will ask no matter the situation. I don't remember the story, but my mom tells the story that this happened not to me, it's something that I did. Apparently, when I was about three or four years old, she was at the grocery store with me. She's pushing me in the cart. I'm looking all adorable, because I was, you know. And this lady comes up, she's like, oh, he's so cute. And apparently, I looked right at my mom and said, mommy, why does that lady have a mustache? (laughs) It was a good question, I'm sure. And kids just ask, you know. Some of us wonder, why does that lady have a mustache? But we ain't going to ask it out loud, you know. So I guess my first point is some questions are better to leave unasked, all right. But think about when you are a little kid, man, you'd ask anything. You want to know the answer, you'd ask. And somehow, as we get older, we stop asking so much. But we don't stop thinking, and we don't stop wondering, and questions don't stop coming to us, but we stop asking. And we, and we stop asking bringing those questions to the forefront, and they remain unasked. You know, again, like what I said, that wasn't the nicest question in the world, but that's how kids are. You got a question, you ask it. And then something changes in us, and, well, I don't want to ask that question because I'm afraid I'm going to look dumb, or I don't want to ask that question because I'll just get more confused by the answer, or I don't want to ask that question because I've been going to church for too long. I should know the answer to that by now. And we just keep these things to ourselves. When you were a kid, you were a great question asker. We all were. Nobody has to give permission to be curious. So I have a question for you. When you have questions that you don't ask, why aren't you asking them? When you have questions that come to your mind about faith, deep questions, real questions, why aren't you asking those questions? Like I just said, maybe it's because you're afraid of what people say. I mean, you don't want to look foolish. You don't want to look stupid. Maybe stay quiet because you feel like it's wrong to ask that question. Maybe keep it to yourself because you're worried about what people will think of you and you're standing. Maybe you're afraid that you'll lose a friend if you ask the wrong question. Whatever the reasons are, we keep them to ourselves. And when it comes to faith and our belief in God, perhaps someone told you, just believe it, don't ask questions. That was me for a long time. My Sunday school teachers told me, just believe it, don't ask questions. And so you don't want to seem disobedient. It seems like it's a sin to ask that question because not all of it makes sense. But what if questions, instead of being the enemy of our faith, are a way to deepen our faith? What if questions aren't the enemy of our faith, but they deepen our faith? We're going to skip, uh, we're going to shift for a second here, all right? I I want you to think about this. What has caused you to doubt recently? You know, and that's something that we would all have different answers on. Any kind of doubt. And I'm not just talking faith doubts, but maybe self-doubt. Maybe it's doubt of the validity of a friendship. Maybe it's the doubt of your future. What has caused you to doubt recently? It could be that text that you sent that hasn't been answered by the guy or the girl that you're interested in. And they read it, and uh, they didn't respond, and so you're wondering if there's any, anything going on there. You know, maybe, maybe you're, that thing you're hoping for still hasn't happened yet. That job you're trying to get hasn't happened. That car you're trying to get. And you're doubting if you're ever gonna catch a break, you know? Maybe you're experiencing loss and you wonder, man, am I ever gonna feel better after this? And it's causing you to, to struggle to find hope. You know, these are all doubts, and I would say a lot of us have them, and some of us have them even right now, and some of us have them constantly, if we're being honest. You know, in those spots, a lot of us, have doubts and we have questions when we go through these things, but, but doubts in life situations can easily turn into doubts that are faith-based. When we have doubts based off of what's going on in our life, it can turn to our faith if we don't handle that doubt the right way. And when life affects our faith and doubt affects our faith negatively, then our relationship with God is strained. Because life isn't making sense, all of a sudden our faith isn't making sense. I know someone... Uh, Very personal to my life Who's expressed that exact idea They've said to me in so many words They struggle with their faith because they struggle in life And they have said, if God loves me so much Then why have I gone through What I've had to go through And that's a tough question to answer You know, basically what they're saying If God loves me, why has my life been hard If God loves me, then why can't I catch a break If God loves me, then, then why Does nothing turn out the way That I hope for it to And I can't give this person every single answer. I don't know the details of God's plans for their life, but this is what I would say to them, and this is what I would say to you if you're thinking that tonight. God doesn't do things to you. God goes through things with you. And that's a really important way to see that. God does not do things to you guys. If you've been getting hit left and right by life, that's not God throwing those combos. God's taking the hits with you. God goes through your pain with you. I believe that when you hurt, God hurts alongside of you. I believe that that when you mourn, God mourns. When you struggle, God struggles with you. God sits with us in our pain and in our sadness and in our hurt and in our doubts and in our wonder, and he sits with us through all of it. You know, if there's something the prophets in the Old Testament, we read the Bible, we go to the Old Testament before Jesus appeared, and it's all these prophets and they preach messages from God, if there's something that they were familiar with it was doubt because a lot of the prophets of the Old Testament spoke to people who had very big doubts about God. They were often asked to deliver messages from God to people who were wondering and who were not so sure that God was gonna deliver on his promises and yet they would do it anyways. They had these doubts a lot of times not because of God but because like I said of the situations around them. If we know our Old Testament history and you don't have to know it all but sometimes the people that the prophets were talking to, uh, they were. They were rebellious because they were waiting on God so long that they just gave up. They said, God's not going to deliver us. Let's just live how we want to live. And they started sinning. Sometimes they had conflicts with other nations. Sometimes they were the aggressors. Sometimes they were the victims. But what we see in the Old Testament is life has a way of hitting people in the jaw sometimes to the point where they wonder, what is God doing? Why isn't God doing what I expect him to do? And then the prophets would step in. And when things weren't going their way, many people would turn their backs on God, and they struggle with their faith. And it was in the middle of one of these waves of doubt through the people of Israel that the prophet Isaiah spoke these words. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9 and 10. Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God here, so read this as if God is speaking to us today when he says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, I will uphold you. Isaiah says, God knows these people, Isaiah says this, and God knows that these people of Israel are fearful, but guys, God is not offended by their fear. They're afraid, they're saying, is God really gonna do what he said? Is God really who he says he is? Is God really as powerful as he says he is? Is God really capable? And this doesn't upset God, this doesn't get God angry. He says, don't be afraid. I will uphold you. I'm with you. So when we struggle and we have doubts and we have questions about our faith, I don't want you to think that those doubts are pushing God away. He is still right there with you and he is saying, don't be afraid. I got you. I'm here and I'm ready for you to come to me. Remember, Isaiah said these things, right? So Isaiah says these things to the people of Israel. Jesus doesn't show up for like another 700 years, I think it's a little easier for us, because we can read the whole Bible, and we can see what Isaiah was talking about. Oh, it was Jesus. Then we can see what Jesus said. Oh, he died on the cross. Oh, he came back to life. We kind of have a lot of the story mapped out for us. Put yourself in the place of the people who said, God is going to do something, and then their whole life is lived, and they don't see that promise delivered. And then their kids don't see it, and their kids don't see it, and their kids don't see it. And We go for centuries before Jesus finally arrives but eventually that promise was fulfilled through Jesus. The doubts people had about whether or not God could be trusted were finally dispelled when Jesus arrived on this earth and he revealed himself. Uh, When Jesus was here on earth, things weren't perfect either, though, right? It's not like Jesus showed up and everything was wonderful and great and perfect and nothing's been bad ever since then. No, in fact, the world is still messed up But Jesus arrives, and his disciples even had reasons to doubt and question. And we can see through scriptures that the disciples themselves, I already mentioned Thomas, but not just Thomas, a lot of the disciples had doubts and questions. Even the ones who were close to Jesus still had their doubts, and Jesus picked up on it. And in John chapter 14, he addresses some of the things they were wondering. Let's take a look in John chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I like how Jesus says, if it were not so. In other words, he's saying, you're thinking it's not true. But if it wasn't, why else would I be telling you this? Jesus knows that his followers are having some doubts, so he addresses it. He's addressing their doubt. Let's go to the next one, verse 5 through verse 7. There's that name. Thomas pipes up, and Thomas has some questions. Thomas said to him, Lord... We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And it's a valid question. He's saying, hey, Jesus, you're telling us to trust you, but we have no idea where you're going. How are we supposed to know? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. All right? Now, listen. Thomas asked the question. Jesus says, you do know God because you know me. Thomas' doubts did not exclude him from knowing God. I think that's important. Jesus didn't say, Thomas, because you doubt, you don't know God. Nope, he said, you know me, you know him. Thomas was not excluded because of his doubts. Thomas was not punished because of his doubts. Thomas was not cast out because of his doubts. Thomas was not told to repent because of his doubts. His doubts were something that Jesus was aware of, and he did not charge it against him. All right? Maybe God doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you tonight. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you come. Maybe you come for the games. Maybe you come you like to see people spitting stuff out on the sidewalk and playing volleyball and doing stuff like that. And this is just the part you got to get through. Listen, I know that's how some people are. That's fine. Maybe, maybe you don't listen that much in the lessons because God doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And maybe, maybe there are things you've heard us teach and you just can't really wrap your brain around it to where you're like, yeah, I totally am on board with that. And maybe you've wondered... I would tell you tonight don't use your questions as a reason to not believe use them as a diving board to get deeper into your faith don't let your questions keep you from God let your questions take you to God but the way you do that is by asking those questions in a few minutes we're going to break into our city groups if you've got questions I would encourage you I would I would tell you please ask those questions in your group tonight ask those questions to your leaders now, I can't promise that the only answers, leaders. I'm not putting on you to have every answer to every question because there's some tough ones. Leaders, it's okay to say you don't know. But ask those questions, you guys. Chances are you might just have an idea about God that's not accurate, guys. Sometimes our doubts come from our picture of God that we've painted in our mind, and it's not an accurate picture of him. That's actually why the disciples had doubts because they expected Jesus to do things that Jesus didn't do. The disciples... Formed these doubts about Jesus because they thought Jesus was going to come and he was going to conquer Rome and he was going to take the the throne and he was going to reign on earth. Well, Jesus had much bigger plans than that. And so when that didn't happen, they had doubts. It wasn't because Jesus was wrong. It wasn't because Jesus had failed. It wasn't because Jesus sinned. It's because they had the wrong idea of who Jesus was and you might have the wrong idea of who God is. You might have some ideas and beliefs about what God's supposed to be doing or what God's expected to be doing that are just not accurate. So again, ask those questions. If you say, well, if God is this, then why isn't he that? Ask that question to someone. There might be an answer in scripture that you've never heard that will help clear your mind tonight. They expected Jesus to come and save them, but he didn't save them the way that they wanted and so they had doubts, but Jesus did come to save, and he saved them in a much bigger way. He didn't save them from a government. He saved them from their sins, and he saved us from our sins too. Jesus had much bigger plans than they could ever imagine. All right, but they believed that he was going to overthrow Rome, and so since he didn't do what they thought, they had doubts. See, Thomas, even though we call him Doubting Thomas, and he's almost looked at as someone we shouldn't be like, Thomas does something with his doubts. He takes them to Jesus. He asks his questions and in that way, I think we should commend Thomas and we should be like Thomas. When we have questions, ask. Talk to God about it. Seek your questions out. But if that's not enough for you, there's another example. And this is one of my favorite, my favorite stories. One of my favorite characters in the New Testament is a guy named John the Baptist. If you don't know John the Baptist, John the Baptist is just a wild man. He lived in the desert. He ate bugs. He had camel hair on his back. He was just a nut job, right? But he, he had this way of speaking And he would talk, and he'd say, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And people listen, because when a crazy person shows up and starts yelling, people are like, hey, let's listen to this crazy person. And he started speaking about God, and he's saying, somebody's coming after me, and I'm not worthy to even put their shoes on. And Jesus showed up, and John the Baptist said, that's him. That's the Messiah. That's the king. That is the son of God. And John the Baptist Lived a faithful life following Jesus. John the Baptist, if you don't know, actually died for his faith. He had his head cut off. That's how he died, for his faith in Christ. And so it sounds like he's, he's nothing like Thomas. But in the book of Matthew, before he's killed, John the Baptist is arrested. He's in jail. And this is what he says. Matthew chapter 11. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? So John has already preached Jesus, he's already been put in jail for Jesus, and he's getting ready to die for Jesus, but he's still gotta ask, I need to be sure, are you really him? That's a little bit of doubt, right? He just needs to make sure, so he gets word to Jesus, are you really him? You know, we don't think of John as someone who doubts, but John as Jesus, is it really you? Are you really the son of God? And for some of you, that's the question you ask. Is Jesus really God? Is Jesus really who he says he is? But with John and Thomas and the disciples who had their doubts, I would tell you, have your questions, have your doubts, but ask them. And if you struggle with who God is, then find your answer in Jesus. You know, when our doubts and our questions leave us feeling confused or lost, Jesus didn't say... He'd show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus says, you want to know the way? It's me. He said that for a reason, because we can trust that Jesus leads us to God. Because when you doubt that God is real, look to Jesus. When you doubt God is real, look to Jesus. Doubt can make you feel a lot of things, you guys. Uncertainty is not a feeling that any of us like. It's not a place we like to be, but I would encourage you to do this. When you have questions about God, do two things. One, look at the life of Jesus. Look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus did. And try and find mistakes. Try and find sin. Try and find contradictions. You won't find it. What you'll find is Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus was God in the flesh. Number two, I would tell you this. Don't keep those questions to yourself. Find someone you can talk to. Maybe it's your city group leader. Maybe it's me that you trust. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's your friend who brought here. But ask those questions. I don't do this often. I got got to take my iPad here. I want to read some to you guys tonight. A few years ago, I saw this video, and it's a spoken word poem. I'm not much of a poet or anything like that, but I wanted to read some of it to you tonight. It's called A Shadow of a Doubt. And it's written by a man who struggled with his faith and struggled with doubt. And he's talking about the wrestling he has with his doubt. And I want to read this to you tonight. And it's his perspective followed by God's answer. It says, I sleep, but I never rest. These lines around my eyes are not wrinkles. They are maps that show you the winding roads that lead to my pain. I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm longing for the day that I can place my fingers in his nail-pierced hands because, honestly, I've considered quitting, but where will I go? Back? There's no home for the living in the land of the dead, so I keep pressing forward. Today I have faith, but I can't make any promises about tomorrow. I'm surprised I held on this long. God, just make me feel like I'm not crazy. God, let me know that I'm not just making friends with these walls when I pray. I'm not questioning you. I just got questions. Don't leave me here. Don't leave me. Some of you know that feeling all too well. Here's God's response. My child, my child, when it seems like you have all the right questions but not enough answers, and your faith is small enough to fit in the cracks of your palms, I told you, the faith the size of a mustard seed can rearrange whole landscapes and turn mountains into open highways. Faith comes by my word, so maybe you've cuffed your ears. My child, don't be childish. But consider the child whose faith has not quite learned the definition of impossible. Have your questions. I'm not telling you to have blind faith. I'm telling you to consider the blind men who had faith and believed my words before they were even able to see me. Consider the birds that eat from my hand and do not fall from the sky without my consent. So how much more will I love the ones that I died for? Before you doubt me, doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts and you will see they are just as empty as the tomb that I walked out of. Maybe tonight you have a million questions. Can I tell you? God's big enough for them. Maybe tonight you've got all the doubt in the world and it's keeping you up at night. God would lean into you and tell you, have your questions, but come to me with them. He wants your questions. He wants your doubts. He wants your failures. He wants your sins. He wants all of you. He doesn't want the best of you. He wants all of you. Bring it to God. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with anything in your life, this is the right place to be. Let's get it settled tonight. Let's go ahead and pray together. I'm going to pray for those of you who are doubting tonight, for those of you who are struggling with some things in your faith tonight, for those of you who are hurting in your seats right now. Father, we come to you right now and we lift up the minds of those who are clouded by doubt. Father, I pray for those who have questions. I pray for those who have Wonder and worry. I pray for those who are unsure of their faith. I pray for those who have been too afraid to open their mouth to ask those questions tonight. Give them courage, God, to speak those questions into the air so that they can be answered. God, we know that you are a big God and you are a God who hears us and you are a God who knows us and you are a God who knows every doubt that is in every mind right now. God, give us the answers we're looking for. Let us find you through our doubts Don't let our doubts keep us from you. And God, like the poem said, let us doubt our doubts. We thank you for what you do in our life. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us. And we thank you for letting us be here tonight and worshiping you. I pray that you equip every student leader tonight as we get ready to go into groups. Give us wisdom for questions that might be asked. Give us knowledge to know how to respond. I pray that you give every student courage to speak those questions tonight. Ones that are weighing heavy on their hearts. Unburden them tonight, God. In your name we pray. Amen.